Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Number 12, Louisville is going at number 10, Florida State. No Quentin Snyder. I'm telling you right now, Florida State's going to blitz him. I think I think this is a bad spot for Louisville. I think Patino can work his magic. This is going to be on the road. You know, we're looking for Inez Mahmoud to have 20. He's not going to have it. Uh, I, I think this is a tough spot, Gus. Florida State is good. We know that. I don't like this spot for Louisville at all. I'm with you. I think the initial game without Snyder, they could scheme a couple things against Clemson. Yep. Yep. I think it's going to get exposed against Florida State because the talent gap between those two teams is so minimal. Hostile environment now. I, I, I'm with you, Gus. That's the point. They'll hang around. They'll be tough. Then all of a sudden, saved my bacon. will go off. Ball game over. I think he knows without Quentin Snyder, this team's in trouble. And they celebrate in Tallahassee, baby. They love it. 73, 68, Florida State knocking off Louisville. Marquette is going to go to number seven, Creighton. How's Creighton going to shape up with no Mo Watson? I'm going to say it's tighter oh, than you think. Okay. I think they're going to. I think they're going to run into a little trouble early on. Okay. I, I think, like Dr. Tony predicted, I think once they kind of get stuff figured out a little bit later, um, they'll be a little bit more sound. But I think the initial shock of this is going to hit him really hard, and it just might hit him hard against Marquette. They, Gus, um, they, Gus, I'll tell you right now, they lose this game. That's 9-9 nine and nine in, the, in the conference. Lock it up because I'm telling you, the yeah. losses, I'm, they ain't winning at Butler. Xavier mm-hmm. at Seton Hall, no way. Marquette taking on number seven, Creighton in Big East. Hoop action. Marquette won this game 102-94. Pulling the upset as Creighton, of course, is playing without their star point guard, Maurice Watson Jr. Marquette's offense, though, they were good. Caton Reinhardt had 21 points off the bench. Marquette shot 60% from the field and 50% from downtown. They pick up their first Big East road win, beating number seven Creighton 102-94. This is one I think I'm forward to, right? 14, Arizona. You know, we pumped them up earlier. Said this could be the script for Creighton to follow. Um, is going to go to our Comet sighting of number three, UCLA. 4 p.m. on Saturday. Do they have a chance on the road? Do the Wildcats have a chance on the road here against the Bruins? They do. I want to pick Arizona in this game. I really do. But this is going to be a close game. This is a this is the game of the weekend. This is the game to watch. I, I just would be careful with Arizona. Tonight they had a huge win, 73-66 over USC. Marketing had 23 points and 8 rebounds. Ristic showed up with 12 rebounds. 14 for Alkins. 10 for Simmons. 11 for, for Allen. I think this line is going to be a little quirky. That's what I feel. I feel like the line is not going to be what you think the line is going to be once it comes out. Just a spectacular Pac-12 basketball game. Then Parker Jackson Cartwright floats it up to Chance Comanche for the jam. 34-31, Arizona in front. Lowry Markinen knocking down a deep three at 18 points on the game. Arizona maintaining that lead. The UCLA would trail by 11 going into the locker rooms in the second. Alonzo Trier. In his first regular season game of the year, gets a big stuff. Arizona back 
in front by seven. Arizona gets the W, 96 to 85. How about number seven, West Virginia is going to go to the Octagon of Doom and Kansas State. Is West Virginia going to continue their Ben Roethlisberger-like ways and be a little sketchy on the road and have trouble here? Or are they going to continue their turnover machine and just turn over K-State at an unbelievable rate and get this one? What do we think? I am not too keen on West Virginia, which is really why I was stuck with a John Denver avatar for a week from Gus. I I think that loss to Oklahoma was very revealing. Jordan Mm. Woodard's good, guys. I don't know if he's the second coming of Chris Paul. So I think that exposed some warts. They were lucky to escape at Texas without their leading score. They lose at home. Now they go into the octagon of doom against a Bruce Weber team that's always going to play well. I'm calling a Kansas State win, and I'm calling West Virginia in a free fall. I do not think West Virginia is winning this game. Wow. That is not where I thought you were going to go with this. Um, so you're riding that the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to continue their their troublesome ways on the road. I, I kind of like it. I just yeah. think that they go cold. Yeah. I think they were excessively hot against Baylor at home, and I just think they go cold. And when they go cold, Kansas State can beat their press. You can beat their press and they're cold. That's a first-round upset. There's your Ivy League upset. Just vindictive venom from Mike Randall right now. Seventh ranked West Virginia. On the road, taking on Kansas State. Never easy winning conference games on the road, and this proved to be the case. Second half now, Kansas State up six. Barry Brown, wide open three. Go ahead and give him that. Wildcats up by nine with that bucket. 30 seconds to play now. West Virginia down three. Their last chance. And Issa Ahmad cookies. Brown takes it the other way. They had 23 turnovers on the day, a season high. Kansas State wins. Let's go uh, Miami going down to number 18 Duke for like the Saturday night uh, primetime game around 8 o'clock. I am actually going to go the other way. Whoa! I think the Duke faithful come out big time for this game. They've lost a few in a row. I've been off of them. I don't think Miami has the chops to have a close game in Cameron. They know they need a win. They're home. I think Jefferson will be back. Mm. No, wham, bam, no thank you, ma'am. I think Duke's, they need this game. This is a Duke pride game. They'll bring out Leitner, Elton Brand will come, you know, Corey Maggette, if we can find him, he's around somewhere. I think they bring everyone out. Krzyzewski probably has a video message for them or something like that. I swear to God, I could see this happening. I think Duke rolls in this game. I kind of think this is a, we're the championship Duke. Get the heck out of our way. We're not losing three in a row. Duke, Miami, Cameron Crazy's going crazy. Second half now. A few seconds later, about ball batted around Jackson. Eventually comes up with a steal, finds Matt Jones for the wing three, and we're tied at 37. Later in the half, Duke up by five. Jackson comes around, hands it off to Jones for another three. Duke outscores Miami 31-4 to in the first 12 minutes of the second half. They go on to get the 12-point win. Totally need to pay attention to this game. Two unranked teams, but it's crucial. Northwestern at Ohio State. Northwestern needs this game. They need this game to bolster that March resume that they have been putting so much effort into this season. Come on, Northwestern. I think I think the, I think everybody but a Buckeye fan is going to be rooting for them this weekend. 
I'm going to go right now, and then Dr. Tony can jump in. I know here. Northwestern wins this game. Lock it up. They're making the NCAA tournament. Ooh. I'm going to say it right now. That would put, that would put them at 5-2 and two and 16-4, and four, guys. They're making it. This is a critical, critical game for them. It's on the road. It's at Ohio State. I understand that. Come on, Chris Collins. You get this one. You're breaking the streak. Dr. Yeah. Tony, what yeah. says you? What says me? I, I say they win. You know, I think this Ohio State team is pretty pedestrian. I think Northwestern played fantastic over the weekend. They, they went 2-0. and Yes, they, you know, they went on the road to beat Rutgers. Not a great win, but traveled you know, across the country nonetheless. Road win. Road win. We'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, they absolutely blew out Iowa. They did everything right. They shot like 60% from the field. They held Iowa at about 35% from, the, uh, from, the, from their field. That's three league wins in a row for them. Scotty Lindsay is hot. I think they go in there and I think they beat Ohio State. And I think I agree with uh, Mike Randall. I think, they get, I think they get to the tournament this year. Dr. Tony's a bad loss for Michigan State on Sunday. I agree. I think Northwestern's getting it, Gus. You agree or no? You know what I am. You know what I'm going to call for? I'm going to call for a couple of Brian McIntosh uh, free throws late in the game to seal it. How about that? I agree. Yeah, let's go. We're all in Northwestern. Break the streak. Come on, guys. The little man. Northwestern looking to win in Columbus for the first time since 1977. Football coach Pat Fitzgerald on hand to watch the Cats and had to like what he was seeing here. Some good ball movement. Scotty Lindsay puts the Cats up by two. Went on a nice little run at the end of the first half. Gavin Skelly, the Ohio native, up by eight. They were up five at the break. Second half, tied at 56. It is Lindsey again. He has been in double figures every game this year. One of the most improved players in the conference, if not the most improved. Puts Northwestern up by three. A 17-6 edge for the Cats and points off turnovers. Northwestern gets the board and the Wildcats pull it out. Pat Fitzgerald, we mentioned him. He was there to celebrate with Chris Collins, whose team broke a 34-game skid in Columbus. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. It's real simple. If you want the most passionate analysis and the most accurate college basketball analysis, you have come to the right place. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you I am Mike Randall, joining here with the illustrious Gus Kearns. And folks, how about that opening? We're not going to get them all right, Gus, but we're going to get a lot of them right, and we are spot on right now. I'm going to I'm going to use the word scalding. Is that is that fair? Boil I, it. We're fairly scalding this past week. Boil it. Even Dr. Tony got in on the Northwestern pick, and he nailed that as well. We told you, Dr. Tony is the foremost authority in the Ivy League. He's spreading his wings. He's hitting Northwestern, which is really like an Ivy of the Midwest, right? Uh, Absolutely. We, we, folks, we don't get them all right, but we love this. We live it. We're college basketball vagabond junkies, as Gus always says, and we're embedded. So we're going to get more right than we get wrong, and it's a lot more right now, Gus, huh? Oh, so happy to be on the right side of things instead of the wrong side of things. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon to all of our listeners out there. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. 
We are manipulating this college basketball listening journey on the evening of January 24th, 2017. Keep an eye out there, folks. The thaw is not that far away. We aim to improve your commute to and fro. We aim to improve and hopefully take you down off of your NFL detox uh, and provide that transition for all of our sports-minded folks out there and just get you into full-force college basketball mode now that the NFL is coming down to just the Super Bowl and you fill up your boxes and you make your exotic bets and so on and so on. Um, Always thankful, always humbled, and honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with you. Mike and our ever-increasing audience. And hey, ahoy out there. At Brody Moore 11. Hey, Kansas City rocks, man. And how you doing out there? At Tommy 8668. Go Zags, my man. Right with you, T. I see you out there. I see you. Happy to have you all tune in. Mike, let's get rolling with this thing. Yeah, and folks, listen, it's not about that we're sitting here and we're Vegas Sharps, okay? We do do the fishy line segment, Gus is 10 and 2 so far, but really it's about the analysis. When you live college basketball like we do, and a lot of you guys do out there, we know you follow it, you get a feel for it. And it's just fun. It's fun to see if your feel is right. It's fun to, to see how our teams are going to play, how the matchups are going to go. And right now we're doing real well and we're happy. We just we love analyzing these games, right or wrong, but but certainly happy that things are, are going well. Uh, before we start, Gus, we should mention that we are a finalist for the Monkeys Fighting Robots website for Best Amateur Podcast. So folks, if you have a chance, please go to the site. There is a regular award as well as a People's Choice Award that you can vote for. It's alphabetical, as Gus pointed out last time, so go down to Screen the Screener Podcast. Again, Monkeys Fighting Robots, maybe the best website name I've ever heard. Go on down, vote for us if you like what you hear. You can always reach us on Twitter, at SDS Podcast on, uh, is the show, at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike for me, at Kearns 12 for Gus. Also, email the show sdspodcast at gmail.com we're on itunes we're on stitcher we're on TuneIn radio we're also on youtube on a college basketball podcast we're here to give you as much as we can gus where do we start news and notes news and notes from the hardwood and we're going to start with what we called the game of the weekend now to be fair gus i was pushing arizona i did not know alonzo trier was back all right so to be fair we didn't know about that we, I just thought they would compete well, that old phrase that we like, and they certainly did. Trier was back in a huge way, wasn't he, my friend? Man, I mean, I was surprised at a number of things. Number one, how much he played, just the overall volume of minutes. And then also, the efficiency of which he played, it, it kind of looked like he didn't miss a beat. I don't know what you saw, but I was seeing a very fresh, in-the-flow Alonzo Trier, not somebody that they were trying to integrate or somebody that they were trying to get a feel for the game or in game shape. Dude looked ready to roll. I couldn't believe, Gus, the amount of energy he brought. I thought Arizona was going to be fired up for this game. Sean Miller's done a great job. We've said it, coach of the year right now. Marketing is totally underrated. He is performing, yes, I'm going to say it, as a first team All American like performer right now. I know that wow. sounds nuts, but Arizona is hot. He's a freshman. He shoots it outside. He rebounds inside. Trier came off the bench, and he came in like a bat out of hell. 27 minutes, Gus, played incredibly well. The energy was just there. I felt from the start of this game, 
UCLA was on their heels, even when they were winning. It just felt like we're here. We're not being respected in this in this conference. People said Oregon preseason. Now they're excited about UCLA. We're here. We want a Final Four. We should have beat Wisconsin that Elite Eight game a couple of years ago to get into the Final Four. Totally. They just wanted it. It was it was fun to watch. You know what the thing that it popped off the screen? It, it, it spoke to me, um, and, and and you and I have listened to this and, and experienced this firsthand. The vibe, that Arizona Wildcat vibe, was was so positive. It was so moving in the right direction. Everybody was pulling in the same direction. I, I couldn't get over the just the the joy, the happiness, and the, and the vibe that that. That, that Miller was coaching with, the players were playing with, the urgency that they were playing with, like they knew that that was a statement game for them, and and there was no getting around that. They could have lost that game, and you could have still gotten that same vibe from this team. I think if they even lost like a three point or a four point game, I think I I still would have come out of this game feeling really positive, really strongly, like. Uh, like, hey, like Arizona's got to kind of have it back together. But the fact that they had a, almost a 10-point win, almost a double-digit win on the road um, versus, you know, the, the, the Comet team, everybody wants to see uh, UCLA, really impressed. Yeah, a lot of things to say about this game. I'll, be, I'll give you the quick numbers rundown and then do your thing. You're totally right on the money. If I knew Trier was back, I would have picked him to win. I'll tell you right now because I agree right. with you. I thought it was a couple-point loss down the stretch. Spread was six and a half. Vegas is wrong. Right now, the Screen the Screener podcast is, has a bigger building than Vegas because we, I just I thought that was way too many points here. And let's calm down. UCLA is still great, by the way. The needle has moved in the other direction. They can't get a one seed on ESPN. Let's calm down here. But really right. quick, Trier played 27 minutes off the bench, fourth most minutes of anyone on Arizona. Hmm. Very important there. So he played starter minutes. Scored 12 points, grabbed seven rebounds, had four assists. That's a pretty solid game for a guy who hasn't played in about two months, all right? Uh, UCLA led 29-27 with 6.50 left in the first half, and they never led again at home. Six guys in double figures, 96-85 win, like Gus said, 11-point win at UCLA. Wildcats are 18-2. They moved to 7-0 in the Pac-12. Their only losses, Gus, this year were in Las Vegas against Butler mm-hmm. and in L.A. against Gonzaga. And they mm-hmm. were down big to Gonzaga. They got buried early, but they came back. Both times they were not at full strength, and both were neutral court losses. So they were not road losses, neutral court. Gus, the Wildcats have arrived as a Final Four contender. You know what people need to pay attention to? Um, there's all this talk of like, oh, how is Creighton going to be judged without Maurice Watson Jr.? How is Duke going to be judged without Coach K? Guess what? Arizona also needs to be judged in the same light without Alonzo Trier um, and without Ray Smith and without Parker Jackson Cartwright uh, for a few games. Like, they need to be in that conversation as well. Um, and if they're not, then people are doing them a disservice. And the numbers that you spit out about Trier totally speak to that. Um, they're good. They were good before this. That's the part that people are ignoring. Um, they were a top 25 Ken Palm defensive team coming into this game. They were a top 30 Ken Palm offensive team coming into this game. The, the, the numbers spoke to their efficiency on both sides of the ball. Um, you knew Miller was going to have them locked in defensively. And I almost mirror this team a little bit to um, you know your secret Valentine uh, uh, Cincinnati where now – this Arizona team has some offensive weapons with with the multi-talented marketing. All right, you ready for more, my marketing comparison? Did I already spit this out to you? No, go for it. Uh, how about Detlef Shrimp? Oh, it's a great one. 
Like, That's let's not go crazy. One. Let's not go crazy and go Dirk Nowitzki, like a former NBA MVP. Let's not go nuts, okay, people? But was Detlef Shrimp like an amazing NBA player? He was like, you know, the stretch four before the stretch four was cool. Well done. That's, that's yep. marketing right there. And now that they add Schreer, they have like offensive options. And, you know, Kobe Simmons is like this, you know, um, feast or famine type point yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He feasted against UCLA. They're really good before this, and now they're just going to get better. So I, I think the shine is really on Arizona, but be careful, guys. UCLA is still a comet. They are still a thing to watch. They are still a thing of beauty. This loss does not do anything to, to sway me on like my viewing habits of UCLA by any means. No way. And and just to take you back, they lost that game against Gonzaga Gus. No Parker Carter right in that game. Kobe Simmons only had two. And by the way, no Trier. I, I mean, I'm not looking at the box score in front of me. I feel like Allen might have been hurt during that game too. So, I mean, I feel like they were really compromised during that competition. That's exactly right. And uh, you know what? This is why I love college basketball. It's why it's best sport around. When we watched that opening game against Michigan State, and what was it? Was it Allen? I think it was Kadeem Allen who scored the last bucket. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He had that coast-to-coaster Did, on uh, on the right-hand side. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I said. You put me in the lie detector. I said, Arizona's not good. That, that's what I, I remember saying it to myself, like, wow, that's a that, that's a Michigan State's going to be good because Bridges was dunking, cupping left, cupping right. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. funny thing is, Michigan State's on the slide, and Arizona right now looks like they can beat anybody in the country. You never know how the script is going to flip, and it totally flipped for Arizona. And kudos to Coach Miller. He got it right. Again, we, we mentioned this last, po- last podcast. If, if, if uh, Creighton was going to go ahead and follow a, a game plan of how to work uh, in the framework without Mo Watson Jr., their star point guard, why not follow Arizona's uh, uh, framework for what they did without Trier? Totally true. And one more thing. By the way, let's calm down about UCLA. UCLA is really good. Yeah. UCLA is tremendous. UCLA can score with anyone. They're balanced. I saw Alford hit some tough threes. I think they went at him a little bit defensively. I do think they attacked him a little bit. But, guys, UCLA is really, really good. There's no holes in UCLA. Listen, I do think, Gus, that the question is going to be coming. Kentucky has the same question. These teams need to play defense at some point. They have to play some semblance of defense. And UCLA, quite frankly, has not yet this year. But that doesn't mean they can't. And it doesn't mean, by the way, they're not fantastic. But Arizona was ready. And UCLA will learn from it. But, guys, they lost to Arizona at home and a Dylan Brooks 3 at Oregon. Let's take it easy on UCLA. Okay, please. Agreed 100% on UCLA. Uh, let's let's not just totally turn the TV channel when they're on now. I mean, they're still a joy to, to view. No doubt. Um, they're still really good. Speaking of really good, how good was the number 12 Louisville at number 10 Florida State game? I love that chant. We opened it. We opened the podcast with it, folks. And to be fair, everybody had a little call. Like I said, Patino, timeout with 12 minutes left. So I'm watching the game, and with 12 minutes left, Louisville goes up seven. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, Florida State goes up seven. And I said, here we go. Here we go. Because they were hot, right? They were up 14 to nothing to start the game. I mean, things yeah. are going well. But Louisville, Gus, just kept hanging around. That, that's what they do, though. That's like their M.O. Like, that's how they win games. Like, they, they also, like, can't score um, in certain pockets. But at the same point, <laughs> like, without Quentin Snyder, you knew this was going to be an issue. You knew they were going to run into these lulls on the offensive end without him initiating the offense. 
couple takeaways here. Uh, Florida State, only seven turnovers versus Louisville, and Louisville kind of depends on the turnover. Louisville starters only had 28 points. Totally missed Snyder. And hey, one of Dr. Tony's old mates from the Ivy. Yep, totally true. Tony Hicks made an appearance, right? And I mean, he has been doing nothing, you know, playing like barely double-digit minutes a game. He comes in, plays 32 minutes, scores 16 points. Go Ivy. I mean, I, I think he's a transfer, uh, graduate transfer from UPenn, right? Oh, yeah. It's, um, it, call it the Dr. Tony effect. He comes on the podcast and all of a sudden Ivy League guys are just dropping right. points off the bench. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like he's got some sort of like Ivy karma or something. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm still laughing at X gets the square. He said that. <laughs> he, was, he was very clever. He was very clever. <laughs> I can't wait to get Dr. Tony back on. Um, ho- hopefully sooner than later, to be honest. Definitely. Um, I mean, he has a real job, unlike us, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's just, He's legitimately saving somebody's life right now. I'm right. not kidding. Right, right now he's like, talking that's penicillin. That's what he's doing right now, and we're talking to you about college basketball. Right, he's talking penicillin, um, and we're sitting here with this war chant. <laughs> do you want uh, listen? Speaking of the war chant, <laughs> you have to go through the gauntlet that um, Florida State has gone through the past couple of games. Like, I don't like. You know, we talked about how Baylor and maybe Butler um, have like the, this uh, these unbelievable resumes of these big wins. I think we got to throw Florida State in there now too. Like, like, just this isn't this is like totally crazy. You got to read this off to the people. Here's your visual. Remember, you and I, we didn't play football, um, but when people first play football when they're kids and they go through that thing with the orange things that flap back into them on either side, and like the first time a kid goes in there, I've seen this. Like they try to run through and they get stuck. Okay, because they keep getting beaten by those orange pylons there when they try to run through football. That's what this reminded me of when I saw it. Folks, listen to what the Seminoles have just finished. Keep this in mind. At number 12, UVA, 160 to 58. Okay, sure. Verse 21. Uh, Can we we just reference that as the Dwayne Bacon game? Dwayne saved my bacon 29, which is 79 against everybody else. Down screen, back screen. London, shoot the ball. They came away with a win there. Uh, Number 21, Virginia Tech, blow them out, 93-78. Duke, blow them out, 88-72. Played at UNC, 96-83, Gus, much closer than that was. That was a very close. It was a six-point game with three minutes left, so uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, home against Notre Dame. Boy, does that win look good, by the way. 83-80. Notre Dame is the real deal, and we will get into them shortly. That could be part of uh, some lines coming up a little bit later for me. Could be. Um, and then finally, Louisville at home, 73-68. That is 12-21-7-11-15-12. Six ranked teams in a row. They go 5-1. and one. They got some easier games coming up right now, but that's as tough as it gets. There are games coming up right now, three ACC road games in a row for them at Georgia Tech, at Syracuse, at Miami. Let's take it easy. Then they come home to Clemson. We can get to them later. And home North Carolina State before the Irish on February 11th. Gus, Florida State, Leonard Hamilton, really, really good. So let's just let's just do like our, our, our Florida State. Like, what do you think, right? So number one, I think – now that you ran down all of those games, the one thing I can take away from that that's not Florida State-centric is how good is UNC? The only hiccup they had in there was UNC. And you mentioned that the game was a little bit closer than the score, but still, it ended up being almost a double-digit win. So I think, much like Arizona pre-UCLA game, I think UNC is totally getting overlooked. They're really good. Pay attention to that. And... You ready for this, guys? We're going to play like a little teaser game I'm here. so excited about this second. <laughs> so you know how, uh, you know, 
I, I love my stats, so I did a little research, and, and here, here are the stats. I'm going to spit at you, but I'm not going to tell you exactly who we're talking about. All right, ready? So one of the one of the one of the key players for Florida State who has really impressed us has been Jonathan Isaac. Okay, Jonathan Isaac is is, is dealing an unbelievable uh, stat line for a freshman. Uh, he's shooting fifty four percent from the floor, eighty two percent from the line, thirty nine percent from three. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, a very high usage, by the way. He also is averaging 1.1 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks in about 25 minutes per game. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What okay? a player. Now, the player I pulled up to compare to him, these are his numbers, his freshman year when he played in a Power 5 conference. He shot 47% from the floor, 81% from the line, and 40% from three. He also averaged 1.3 assists, 1.9 steals, and 1.9 blocks in 36 minutes per game. So this particular other freshman that we're comparing uh, Jonathan Isaacs to had a much higher usage than Jonathan's already like through the roof high usage. Um, guess what, people? You have to tune in Thursday to figure out who we are comparing him to. And if you have an idea... Why don't you email the show at sthespodcast at gmail.com, or you can shoot us a line on Twitter at sthespodcast. Uh, let us know. Let, give us some guesses. Who do you think we are comparing Jonathan Isaacs to, uh, Jonathan Isaac to um, from Florida State? What other freshman that's putting up sick numbers? We want to know. And um, we'll have something for you. We'll come up with something for We will get you something, some sort of screen the screen or, you know, uh, uh, clothing apparatus. We're coming up. We'll come up with something for you. Yes. Yeah. You you email the show. You calls. We have our loyal listeners out there. This is a fantastic job by Gus. Just fantastic. Can you identify who this frosh is? They're both frosh, right, Gus? Both eyes yeah, yeah. frosh and the These guy you're both comparing. Frosh to. numbers. Okay, yes. Great. So um, we'll read out a couple of the guesses, um, and then if anybody nails it, we will sing your praises for sure. So we have a top four or five, like six. You know, four, five, six, four, five, six, whatever number you want to call it, uh, backcourt in the nation with Florida State. We have an efficient freshman getting better week by week, throwing Terrence Mann. I mean, Terrence Mann looked like the best player on the court at times during that game. And you have a coach who's been waiting for, like, his breakthrough moment with Leonard Hamilton. It sounds a little scary if you ask me. Watch out the rest of the ACC and watch out people in March. I think Florida State's really good right now. Yeah, I, I think they're really good, and this is it for them. They want to make a run at a one seed or something like that. They're going to have to beat the teams they're supposed to be. Three road games in a row is three road games in a row. I'd sign right now if I'm Leonard Hamilton for two and one. But because they get three in a row, they're right up there with Duke and the, and the Kentuckys and the Kansases and all those teams, like Villanova, all those teams right now, UNC, they're right there if they sweep those three. So um, one of the things we talked about with Creighton, losing Mo Watson, Mo Watson Jr., was that like kind of everything came together uh, it wasn't exactly planned to come together like during the season for them, but it, it, it happened. And I feel like that that's kind of happening right now for Florida State. I don't know if they thought or you know could play fortune teller and see all of these things coming together as nice as they have. But right now it's happening, and it's really cool to watch. It, it's, a be- it's a beautiful thing. Well said. And that's a perfect transition to our next game, which Gus was all over. I was wrong. Gus nailed it. Marquette at number seven, Creighton. Marquette 102, Creighton 94. Gus was all over it. 
the Maurice Watson Jr. effect is very, very real. And he called it. They are going to struggle early. I thought of the Let's Go gang, the LG squad, would be out there and would will this game to, to a victory. You were all over it, Gus. They, was, they struggled right away. Gus Creighton can't stop anyone right now. You shoot 48.5% from the field. You make 11 threes. And you shoot 81% from the free throw line at home. Gus, you got to win the game. That's the recipe, right? I mean, that's the recipe to win the game. Don't make mistakes. Make your free throws. Shoot a good percentage from three, and then you should be good. But even then, that – I mean, th- we talked about, like, the, the value of Joel Berry. We talked about the value of Emil Jefferson. We talked about the value of um, uh, Alonzo Trier. Like, Mo Watson is at the top of the list right now as far as, like, value for their team. This game shouted it out very loudly. Um, is he a defensive stalwart? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe after this game, maybe he is. But if nothing else, he definitely makes his team go, and he makes his team right. And things didn't go, and they weren't right. We're sure that the coaching staff saw the exact same thing and is going to make the adjustments moving forward for the Blue Jays. But it just seemed like they need to adjust their pace of play without Watson – because they're not going to continue to be uber efficient on offense. Um, and the pace that they're playing that they had with Watson just allows too many offensive possessions for opponents, too many offensive opportunities. And that's how Marquette ended up in the 100 club and scored 100 points. It's just because they had so many opportunities because Creighton's playing at this breakneck pace. Coach McDermott is going to figure it out and figure out how to slow things down and, and, and narrow that margin for error. Uh, but right now, off the bat, it doesn't look promising and it didn't look like he had it figured out against Marquette and and maybe the springboards Marquette to pull a big upset later on this week I don't know but we'll we'll see it we'll wait and find out somebody's going to get a bump here because Creighton's going to go down we talked about the big four to start the year Villanova Xavier Butler and Creighton Mm -hmm. Creighton is done okay I'm not not saying the season's over I'm just saying they're going to be a a, a notch below where we thought they were going to be somebody could jump up there it could be Marquette it definitely could be and, and by the way, at this point, Xavier looks a little punchy too. So sure do. Right now, it's Nova separating themselves. Butler's trying to hang on. Had a lot of great wins. It's just a shame, but we got to move on. Someone's got to step up into Creighton's spot. But Gus, they're staring at a nine and nine season right now in conference, which is just a shame when you're eighteen and one, five and one, and you almost be Villanova at home. Yeah, you laid it out pretty evenly when you run, ran down their schedule, and it looks like it's going to be facing that way. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't get worse. I mean, obviously, screen the screener holds hope very dearly, and we hope that they write the chip and, and are on the other end of the 500 uh, projection that you gave for them. But right now, it doesn't look too promising for the for the Creighton Blue Jays, and uh, we hope they get it straightened out uh, in Blue Jay country. Speaking of straightened out, number seven, West Virginia, went down to Kansas State, at Kansas State, and, man, Kansas State proved your correlation between West Virginia and Ben Roethlisberger you nailed this big time I can't believe that that this, this is like coming true and you're you're playing like little fortune teller here yeah, like they say uh, like uh, George said on Seinfeld I'm spotting dimes I mean this is uh, this is unbelievable I did put out my picks uh, on Twitter on fantasy warrior guys if, and I put out all six of them and we ended up nailing this one going five and one which we're excited about but it was just a prediction of the flow. Kansas State had been close in a lot of the games they had played, and West Virginia definitely has been struggling recently. And I just wasn't sure 
which West Virginia were saying. I know they were fired up for Baylor. They were totally into that game, and they played phenomenally well. But that game was home. And Nathan Adrian, back to normal. Nine points, five rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Issa Ahmad, three points. Carter, who seems like the most consistent guy, Gus, for them, 14 points, had two threes. De- um, Miles Jr., always a little flaky, 11 mm-hmm. points. And Phillip did his normal off the bench, 20 points. But the key was the balance that Kansas State brought. Johnson, 14. Wade, 13. Wundu 13. Brown, 15. Stokes, 15. Just consistent. And only 41% from the field, West Virginia. And that's what I said. They go cold. And when they go cold and they can't make shots, if their press isn't turning you over, which Gus does not turn people over at the same rate on the road or at a neutral site as it does at home in that place, they're going to struggle. And by the way, Kansas State was only 54% from the line, 17 of 31. And West Virginia, surprisingly, was 87.5% from the line. What I'm telling you is... If West Virginia just shoots 70% and Kansas State just shoots 70% from the line, this is a 10-point win for the Wildcats. Yeah, it's borderline blowout. And think about it, like this past weekend of the NFL totally crystallizes like your your correlation between Ben Roethlisberger and, and West Virginia of him playing on the road. And you know what? They're just not the same on the road. They're, in fact, they may be a little ordinary on the road. And do you think... I mean, I think it's time to pay attention to Kansas State a little bit. Do they fall under the same guys as like Maryland or or Utah or or Florida? Maybe they're like a little better or in some cases a lot better than we thought. And they will be or will stay ranked the whole entire season and will be a really tough out at home. I think they fall underneath that category big time, especially after this win. Yeah, I, I like Kansas State. I like the job Weber's doing there. He's got a good vibe going. Uh, they they open the, the Big 12 season a home against Texas. They won by three. At Kansas, they lose by two. Again, the seven-step game. They win at Oklahoma. <laughs> they win at Oklahoma by 11. The loss at Texas Tech was tough, okay, but it's a road game. Mm-hmm. Loss at Baylor, no shame. Uh, home against Baylor, rather, but uh, again, no shame there. Then they've beaten Oklahoma State on the road, and they beat West Virginia at home. A critical game coming up for them this week at Iowa State. That's a tough game. Um, but I think he's doing a good job. I'm really happy for Bruce Weber. He's a good guy. Uh, was at Illinois for a while, right? Did a good job with them. 15-4, uh, third in the Big 12 for Kansas State. Yeah, this was a, a good win. West Virginia on the road. And by the way, Gus, we'll get to this on Broadway. This is going to test our theory. They got Kansas coming in with guards. And so that press shouldn't bother them. So if they can't turn you over... I think they're in trouble, but they are home where they play a totally different game. No, I was going to say that game. Yeah, we'll get to that game on Broadway. It's really interesting. And um, it's again, it's like which team is going to force their personality on the game more so? Is it going to be you know Press Virginia or is Virginia going to kind of slice and dice them with their two expert ball handlers, Mason and Graham? Um, that, that'll be interesting to see as we move forward. But um, I want to stay in the construction business, please. And I would like you to hammer down another pick that you got. Um, <laughs> Miami goes down to number 18, Duke, and Duke pulls out the win, 70 to 58, gets your cover. And Mike, you nailed this one too. Yeah, I, I, but in full disclosure, which we want to give our fans here at the Screen Screener Podcast, I'm not sure when they were down 10 at half uh, with the nine and a half line. <laughs> I was too excited about that. 
But they they did exactly what I thought they would do in the second half. They went on a 20-0 run, Gus. Duke went on a 20-0 run at home. The LG squad was in Duke that day. Uh, the, the LG squad was not in the Creighton. Um, but they pulled it out. They got hot. Matt Jones fired up. Emil Jefferson back. Worthy of note, Gus, he benched Kennard and Grayson Allen to start the second half. I don't know what Kennard did uh, to deserve that, but whatever it did, it worked. Uh, and Duke came out, and they were excited. And tonight, Gus, same thing. They have they, they lost tonight to NC State, which, by yeah. the way, folks, if you can go on social media – I put this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You want to know what you should do if your team is up two at Duke with three seconds left and you steal the ball like Dennis Smith Jr. did? Take a look at what Mr. Smith Jr. did. There are dunks, Gus, and there is a dunk that you cup back 180 degrees behind your back and ram the ball through the hoop so hard that it bounces off your shoulder into the crowd as time expires at Duke. That's what you do. <laughs> it so, was impressive. Talk about construction business and hammering. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. That was a hammer. It was aggressive. But listen, uh, I thought Duke would get it. They pulled away second half. Um, nice job, but... Duke is – you can't take Coach K off the bench and tell me it's the same, guys. He's Coach K. It's like Belichick, guys. I heard this really quick about Belichick. So mm-hmm. the Steelers had the uh, fire alarm pulled by the Pats fan at 3 o'clock <laughs> right, in the morning, right? right? Of okay. course they did. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> Do you know what Belichick does? Bill Belichick, for all of his head coaching years, has hired a person to stand all night at each fire alarm – at the hotel when they're on the road. Is that true? That is 100% true. Mike uh, Greenberg talked about it today on Mike and Mike in the Morning. Bill Belichick wow. hires human beings to stay up all night and stand by each fire alarm. That is sick and that is awesome. <laughs> you, you know what that is? This goes, it goes back to like one of my personal philosophies of, of life. People fix problems. Like... <laughs> Like, like plans don't fix problems. Um, papers don't fix problems. People fix problems. So it's awesome that Belichick put people in place to solve a problem. You know, I it's, it's awesome. so true, man. You know, and people complain about stuff now and they're always upset. Here's very simple. I can see him. Murray, you know, uh, we don't want a fire alarm. So I'm just going to put a person at each uh, fire alarm. And then he's going to stand there. Don't let me pull it's very simple. It's a very simple solution to what the problem is. But that's why they're going against Matt Ryan, and that's why uh, you know the other teams are who they are. But anyway, sorry, I digress. So speaking of people solving problems, I only have one comment about this Miami-Duke game. The one player that can solve this problem for Duke that they seem to be running into without Coach K is very simply Emile Jefferson. The more minutes that they put Emile Jefferson on the floor – the better chance they're going to be having of having of winning any game that they are contested in. Emil Jefferson is their glue. He is their heart. He is their soul. He is their effort. He is their passion. He is their leader. It's no mistake that Emil Jefferson came back and they win this game. No mistake. Did he play against uh, NC State as well? Yes, he did. Was Dennis Smith Jr. off the hook? Absolutely. But... If he's on the floor, Duke's going to have a chance. That's my only statement about this game. It, it's true. You're, I you're, love Emil Jefferson. I think I love what he brings to the table for Duke. I'm not necessarily the biggest Duke fan, but I love the passion and and the ideal and 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 the view that he brings to how he plays. Totally I, true. I'm a huge Emil Jefferson fan. Totally true. Stay with Belichick. 
do your job. Jefferson does his job. He doesn't try to do too too much. This team is going to be a fascinating study, Gus, because one of two things is going to happen. Either this team is going to completely fall apart and Tatum and Bolden and Giles are going to say, forget it, we're going to the NBA next year. That's how that Kentucky team fell apart that you referenced last time that ended up going mm-hmm. to the NIT. And I believe they lost in the first round of the NIT. Something odd happened that game. Sure did. You know what? I think they lost to Robert Morris. Rob Morris, that's correct. Yes, thank you. Well done. Well done. Amazing. Or they're going to be the livest five seed that we've ever seen in our yeah. entire life. You know what? It's a fascinating study either way. Um, they're definitely worth a watch because of all the drama that's surrounding them and the number of different elements that are the recipe for that drama, whether it be Coach Capel stepping in or whether it be Grayson Allen or whether it be um, him benching his two leading scorers or, or for the second half. So, you know, whether he's finding time for the freshman, there's just so many layers to it. So it's just worth watching and it gives us so many talking points. You know what I'm just going to say for the next game? I'm just going to tell everybody, hashtag Dr. Tony knows. He does. He totally does. The dude came into the podcast first time and nailed this Northwestern Ohio State game. No question. Northwestern pulls it out 74-72. They had to to man up and make a whole bunch of free throws late to seal this game. Uh, Ohio State made a bunch of of late threes and desperation shots in the last uh, minute and a half. But, man, all we heard was how the last time they won at Ohio State, it was like 1977 and Star Wars theater, right? But you know what? They were flat out better. They executed better on offense. They made tough foul shots down down the stretch to close it out with uh, about a minute 30 to go. They overcame a few small miscues. It's time to put them back in the field, bracket designers out there. Get this team in the field and carve out some space for the Huskies. Dr. Tony called it. Really impressed with their win on the road. Guy's giving flu shots, and he's coming, and he's making predictions right about Big Ten games on the road. Guy's so good, man. Let's run it down. At Penn State, win by 10 Northwestern. Lost at Michigan State. Lost home against Minnesota. People jumped off the ship. Bang, at Nebraska, they win by 8. At Rutgers, road win, Dr. Tony said it. Home, McCaffrey, not shaking hands. And at at Ohio State, they win by 2. This team is – who said we're going – oh, uh, Jim Fossil. Remember? This team is going to the playoffs. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, can get out. Okay? This team is going to the playoffs. Okay? This team's going to the playoffs. This team, Gus, is going to March Madness. It's going to be a great story when they get there. The, the media crunch around that is going to be awesome. I just, I just want the story to continue the next couple of weeks. Keep the story live, Northwestern. Keep winning tight games. Coach Collins, keep coaching your guys up. And uh, McIntosh, keep making big free throws and critical moments. Love it. Dr. Tony talks about Sky Lindsay being hot. He's the leading scorer for the game of 21 points. Of course That's all we need to know. Hashtag Dr. Tony Tony knows. knows. Speaking of Dr. Tony, listen, listeners out there, you are not going to get another back-to-back game rundown like you're about to get right now. Okay? Nowhere else are you going to get an Ivy League Friday night special rundown followed by a Big Ten mastermind overtime thriller. Okay? So our Friday night so Ivy true. League special. So, so true. Like, where else are you going to find this, right? That's why you're listening. <laughs> so let's hit Brown. I bet you didn't think we were going to go to Brown, did you? We're going to go to Brown. Yale was at Brown. Um, Yale survives. Remember, Yale was one of Dr. Tony's top four teams in the Ivy. 
they 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 had a close close game on the road for versus Brown. Um, Alex Copeland he hits a free throw, one free throw, a singular free throw with under three seconds to play to give the Blue Dogs the tough road win. Uh, Dr. Tony's big guy Sam Downey had a career high 27 points, 13 boards, and yep, Yale out rebounded Brown. Just like, I'm really sorry for this, Mike Randall, just like they did to Mike Randall's Baylor Bears in March, they out-rebounded them 47-31. I'm just going to say, ouch. You want to hear the cool side of the story here? Did you know on Brown's roster, there's a student athlete named Steven Spieth? Ah, really? Yeah. Yep. You're thinking? You're, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, it's his brother. Oh, yeah. Jordan Spieth. It's his, Jordan it's his Spieth's brother. brother. Jordan Spieth's brother. Very good. He had seven threes in the game. His seventh three came with under 10 seconds to play to tie the game. And then Copeland had to hit the free throw to win it. So Brown was up double digits in the first half. Yale came back, gritty win. Dramatic ending with Spieth hitting a three to tie it. Copeland hitting the foul shot with under three. And they survived a desperation three from, from Brown at the buzzer. Yale moves on. Big win for Yale on the road. And we're going to follow that up with... Let's go to the Big Ten. Number 17, Outlast Mini, on the road, at the barn, 78-76 in OT. And Mike Randall, I'm just going to throw you some props here. You said the third best option in a power conference, third best scoring option in the power conference was Ethan Happ. Darn right. He may be quickly outgrowing his third option title. He might be the number one option. He had 28 points, which is a career high, and 12 boards. Uh, our guy, Nigel Hayes, added 21 points, throwing some late game magic from our closer, Bronson Caning, and that's how you win a tough border rivalry game on the road with a team desperate on the opposite side. The road win helps quietly build the resume, which is becoming very Wisconsin-like if you're not paying attention. It includes road wins at Indiana, Minnesota, and Marquette. The question question from this game is, is Hap now Wisconsin's go-to guy, or was Gar just playing matchups and using his power center just right? Mike Randall, do you just want to gloat a little bit and say you were on Hap preseason? I, I li- listen, I like Hap. I said that. I'm happy he's doing well. When he doesn't get in foul trouble, Gus, and doesn't get his four fouls, the guy's going to be double-double. It, it's really that simple. And they need him to be because, again, Hayes has not taken the leap to the 23-point-per-game score that I, I, we thought he could. Now, mm-hmm. he can do that in any game at any time. But if he's going to be a distributor, a la like a LeBron James-esque, I'm going to let everyone else score, that's fine. I just think if Wisconsin, I said this last time, if they're going to perform in a tight game, Hayes has got to give you more. Uh, this game he went 21-5, which is very good, certainly. But Hap had 28, and he had 12 boards, which is great. Koenig is, you know, he's he's not quite at that point where he's scolding hot. He gets his three threes, his 11 points. But look, if you look at the rest of the roster, Gus, um, Vito, Vito Brown, two points. Showalter, seven points. That's high for him. Uh, bench total points, nine points. What I'm saying is in a close game, in an overtime game, they need to be led by those three guys. Uh, so I think we need more from Koenig and more from Hayes. But yeah, a half is exactly what I thought he would be doing, even scoring a little bit more. Throw in that Hap had five blocks and six assists. Guy's out of his head right now. He might be the first option ahead of Caning, ahead of Hayes. I'm not sure, but 
maybe it's happening right before our eyes. I'm not sure. It could be. It definitely could be. And and I like it. I think Ethan Happ is a really, really good player. Smart with his body. He's always cheering on the bench. I like that stuff. You know that. Um, he's doing a great job. All right. So we have to visit number five, Kentucky, ripping apart Ken Palm's number one defensive ranked team, number 24, South Carolina, 85 to 69. And yep, Malik Monk did it again against a tight defense. 27 minutes, 27 points in 36 minutes with high percentages all around. He was 9 for 14 from the floor, 5 for 6 from the line, and 5 for 7 from deep. And again, is do you think do you think the rim is just a little, little bigger for Monk? Should they just check his eyesight? Does he have like this reindeer eyesight? Yeah, you know, like, you know that reindeer can really see, this is a real fact, ultraviolet light and improve, like, structure and definition to what they're seeing along distances. Is it, Gus, is that why when I'm in my kitchen and there's a deer in my backyard and I move to pick up, like, a cookie or something, the deer moves his head, like, 100 feet away from me? Like, I'm like, do they hear through the glass? I'm not sure, but I know this, this, this reindeer ultraviolet eyesight is one of the best land animal eyesights on the planet. Do you think like Malik Monk has like some sort of like reindeer like DNA in him? I mean, besides like, you know, eagles and hawks, like reindeer have one of the best eyesight in, uh, of all uh, land animals. No um, and just to add a little bit more truth to the holiday myth or truths, can we just like go on Prancer, on Blinson, on Malik? Does that work? I think that might work, right? Yeah, it works for me. I mean, they, they they put an end to this nice little run with uh, Sindarius Thornwell of the Gamecocks. <laughs> However, Mr. Thornwell certainly <laughs> made his impression on the game. 14 and 15 from the free throw line. You can chalk up 34 big points for Sindarius Thornwell. Uh, but, yeah, listen, Monk is the real deal, folks. He's you know I think, Gus, you had him at first team All-American, did you? I think I had him second. Second. Team. Well, he's getting that. He's a lock for that. That's his floor. 27 yeah. points, 4-7 from three-point range. The guy is scoring in multiple ways now. Only concern here, Gus, was the De'Aaron Fox injury. All right. Was seen in a walking boot later on. Uh, I saw reports today that he's out of the walking boot. So I don't think it's anything major. But, mm-hmm. you know, they got Michael Mulder also had an illness. So <sighs> they're beatable. They, here's my deal with, with Kentucky. Gus, there are times they flake out in games. There is a five to six minute stretch. They had this game on lockdown. And all of a sudden, there's a couple turnovers, some bad shots. They look disengaged. Kentucky can flake out. UCLA sometimes doesn't play defense. Kentucky just zones out. They need Fox on the floor. Without Fox on the floor, this is as great as Monk is, this is a different team. When you saw that injury, you were thinking, like, are we going to go Creighton 2.0 here and yep. like yep. try to like figure out how they're going to do it. But luckily they have Isaiah Briscoe. He stepped in and held it together for the Wildcats and showed the true value to his teammates, his staff, his program. And that's going to go a long way to solve problems when Monk or Fox picks up two early fouls in the second round in March. And Briscoe has to slide on over and keep it running smooth for Kentucky. Um, I'm going to say kudos to your guy, Thornwell. Lock him up for a first team, all SEC, please. After this performance, no doubt. Yeah. The guy, the guy was unbelievable. Um, he did everything to keep him, keep his team in the game. And I don't think anybody else on on South Carolina had double digits. So, you know what? Do they lose another SEC game this season? What do you think? I'm I'm not seeing it. We might have to ask that to Eric Fawcett to see what he thinks about it. But I'm not seeing it right now. Um, maybe Florida on the road, but 
I figure that's the only place they might lose. Yeah, I, I think they're going to lose one, Gus, because I, I think this flaking out thing is for real. I think they are. I, I think they could lose at Florida, like you said, on February 4th. They could lose... Oh, I'm looking at this. Right, right. Yeah, Where else are you looking? I you're mean, right, I mean, at Alabama. Like I'm looking for road games is what I'm looking for. At Alabama, at Georgia. All right, well, <laughs> uh, maybe you're right, Gus. Uh, I would say, <laughs> boy, that's a big game on February 4th at Florida. <laughs> How about that, my friend? How does that sound? I think I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? Do you want to do a, a very quick stock up, stock down? I have two, one stock up and one stock down for everybody. Give it to me. Yeah, give you two. Go ahead. that sound okay? So we're here. Uh, right. Let's so, hit the bell. Uh, stock watch. Oh, yes, please. All right. So I'm going to go with stock up first, and I'm going to go stock up. I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here. I'm going to go stock up Illinois State. So true. Great one. Okay. The win versus Wichita State obviously grabs attention for them. Um, and does that win make the Valley like a two-bid league again? Maybe. Yep. Yeah. I, you know what this team reminds me of? It reminds me of St. Joe's uh, last year with the two big mismatches they had on the wing with like NBA-ish type talent. That Joe's team had uh, Isaiah Miles, who was 6'7", and uh, DeAndre uh, Bembry, who was a first-round pick for the Hawks. And the two of those guys did a little bit of everything, and they let Coach Martelli uh, – they led Ke- Coach Martelli to the tournament um, through an, a tough A-10. This Illinois State team has a similar structure. It has 6'8", senior uh, Deontay Hawkins, 15 points a game, great shooting percentages across the board, and 6'7", junior – um, Mikhail McIntosh, 14 points a game. Both wings do a little bit of everything very well, and they play together very well. Um, the motor of this team, though, is Paris Lee. He is the senior point guard and pulling his best Briante Weber impersonation from VCU a few years back. Remember that guy? He was a defensive menace. Oh, he's tremendous. So... Lee is averaging about two and a half steals a game, and he is spearheading this really tough defensive squad. Um, they are a top 15 defensive team in uh, Ken Palm's rating in the country. So I'm going to say stock up Redbirds. That was a great win over Wichita State. That's an excellent, excellent call. Very under the radar team right now. And I got one stock down, um, and it has to do with the team that we talked about earlier. Although they're playing a little bit more lately, I'm still going to go stock down. Uh, I'm going to say stock down. Shaka Smart and the Texas Longhorns. Everyone ranked Shaka preseason, top 25 off his prior success and the early success that he had at Texas. And you know what's really hurting him right now? The loss of his point guard, Isaiah Taylor. The Longhorns lost him to the early jump to the NBA and it left a big void to fill and it left them in the lurch a little bit. Freshman Andrew Jones has tried to build the boy, fill the void with mixed bag results. He's been good some games, not so great some other games, a little turnover prone, um, not totally prepared to play the point full-time with a full slate uh, Big 12 schedule. Also, the uncertainty around um, leading scorer Tevin Mack hasn't helped at all either. The final comment here is that Baylor just beat up on Texas, and it was an expected beatdown. Usually that's a live game. Usually that game is a a rivalry game. Yeah. But – like everybody knew going in, it was kind of like the story was already written already. And that's 
not always the case in the Big 12 for Texas. However, this year, it seems like the script has changed a little bit for the Longhorns. So similar to Ohio State, I'm going to say Texas is going to miss the tournament this year, barring a tourney win or a huge turnaround. Stock down for Texas this year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I remember we did our first podcast ever, Gus, and I talked about Texas being able to challenge Shaka. Uh, he'll get it right. But losing the losing Taylor was a killer because it kills your point guard, and they have really struggled. But I believe in shock. He's going to get a few more years here to turn that around. But two perfect calls. Um, we'll try to give you a couple more stock ups and stock downs as we're going, getting a little closer to March so you know maybe who you should uh, invest in going long term in your bracket or maybe just pull the plug on them early and uh, you know take your losses. Mike Randall, are we ready to take a little walk? Oh, you're darn right. I can't wait for this slate of games. Let's take a walk. Get out there. It's 50. It's snowing. Who cares? Just get out there. All right, beautiful. Let's go. On Broadway. Gus, this is one of the greatest slate of games we have coming up all year. That is not hyperbole. I looked at these games and I went, ooh, ooh, oh. So excited. And I mean, Gus, you know, it makes you want to, you know, if gambling's legal, which it's not, of course, sports gambling, to make a couple bets on these games. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the games, talk about the spreads. Let's just get into it. All right. So we'll try to go a little rapid fire like we've been going for On Broadway. First stop on Broadway, we're going to go straight to number two, visiting number 18, uh, West, uh, West Virginia. Mike Randall, upset here? Not really. Right now, you know what the line is? West Virginia's favored by about four points. Yeah, I'm I'm all over this game. You got to be nuts. I'll take Kansas and four and a, you're going to give me Kansas and four and a half points. Gus, I don't believe Kansas has lost since Indiana. Is that correct? I think that's correct. You're going to give me four and a half points. And listen, this is not Baylor where it's Manu and a bunch of big guys. I understand pace of play. Frank Mason and his plus fifty point for shooting percentage from beyond three. Devontae Graham. Uh, was it Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson. Sorry. Josh Jackson and Mihailik, who's always open, and he, and we know he can take a lot of steps. I will grab, I will gladly grab four and a half points. Again, enough. They had a great night at home against Baylor. This is a different team. Kansas is not turning the ball over 29 times against that press. Frank Mason could shred it himself. That line is wrong. You hear me, Vegas? You hear me, Stratosphere? You hear me, Taj Mahal? Bad line. Take the four and a half. Kansas is going to win the game outright. Listen, the only thing I'm going to throw in your direction is, is it a look-ahead game? Are they looking forward to the uh, to the showdown with uh, Kentucky this weekend? That's the only thing I'm throwing in your direction. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like that's also something to take into the equation. You know, a lot. You know, you and and a bunch of guys we know, uh, Mike from Fairlawn, are big into this look ahead game stuff. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't buy it. They're not playing DePaul. Okay, no offense to DePaul. I'm just saying that was look ahead game. They are not looking ahead. This is a conference game. They want to win it. Self wants his 13th in a row. If they win this game, they're in great shape because they can lose to Baylor, okay, which we'll get to when it happens. They're winning this game, Gus. And and they, and what I am darn sure about, you're going to give me four and a half? Enough. Enough with Nathan Adrian. Okay, I've had enough of this. Get the four and a half. This is not vindictive venom coming from Mike Randall. This is a fact. Kansas gets four and a half points. Gus, you know what I was going to make this line? Kansas minus one. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be rapid fire. I apologize. No problem. It sounds like it could be another construction business type thing. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. 
this one you may not think would be on Broadway, but we're going to give it like two seconds anyway. Number 22, Maryland, hosts Rutgers. Rutgers have any shot. Is it going to be another win for the Terps? Give, give, give me a 10-second spiel on this. Be a close game. Rutgers, nice win over Nebraska. Mello Trimble's best player on the floor by a landslide. Maryland wins. Close game. Maryland wins. Excellent. Does Mello Tremble put this on his I'm going to win another game by myself list? Pretty much because he wants it, and he knows he can make the tournament now, which we didn't think they could at the beginning of the year. So excited that we're talking about him making the tournament. That's awesome. Um, number 20, Purdue, goes to Michigan State. I think this gets this falls under, like, you were giddy about looking what games were being played on this slate. This is one of those giddy games. Um, Sparty's desperate, man. They are 12-8 and eight and 4-3 and three in the Big Ten. They need this home win so desperately. If they fall to 12-9, and nine, the Spartans are in danger of just falling out of the bracket completely. How do they match up with Kalen Swanigan? Does Miles Bridges put himself on the map for Big Ten Player of the Year with Swanigan in the head-to-head matchup? What is going on in this game? Absolutely insane that Purdue is favored by two at Michigan State. Michigan State has destroyed Northwestern in Minnesota at home. They started an almost all-freshman lineup without Miles Bridges in one of those games because he was hurt. The place will be rocking. I know I've been wrong about Michigan State. They, they lost Ohio State. They lost uh, this past weekend to at Indiana with no uh, Anobi. Gus, they're winning this game. Purdue doesn't have the chops to win this game in Michigan State. You know what? I'm going to stay away from this game. I'm going to let I'm going to let you do the heavy lifting. Oh, I wanted a battle. I wanted you to go the other way. No, no. I, 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 you know what I will, you know what I will predict. I will predict like a 22 and 17 game from Caleb Swanigan, and he's going to destroy some people down low. Um, you know what I will bring up though. Those freshmen kind of do feel at home at Sparty at Spar- at um, Michigan State. So I think they are, they are a little bit of a different team at home, and I kind of want to see Miles Bridges have like a, a second act here in the season. He came out a bl- guns a-blazing uh, the first week or so. Um, I want to see him come back and revisit that form and catch everybody's attention again, and I hope he d- starts in this game. It, it's um, just, I'll be, sorry, guess really quick. Th- yeah. This is just insane. Like, can't you see Michigan State running up and down the floor here? And Isaac Haas, like Herman Munster, trying to keep up with it? And listen, Swanigan is fantastic. He's amazing. He's a phenomenal player. This going to become a track meet game. Swanigan's going to struggle. He's going to play well, but he's not going to get up and down the floor. you got to be out of your mind. There's no way you're giving Tom Izzo two points at home. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, Pitt is hosting number 13, Louisville. Um, there's two, I think, major factors in this game. Number one, does the loss of Quentin Snyder continue to haunt Louisville? And you remember who went off the last time these guys played, right? Artists went off for 43 the last team these guys got last time these guys got together. Is he going to do it again? Is he going to have a repeat performance, or is Louisville going to put him on lockdown? I kind of want to see what happens with both of them. Uh, if I'm leaning one way or another, I think this is a get-right game for Louisville, and they win a close one. No tie, Scarface. Artist gets shut down. Louisville wins. I'm with you, uh, boy. I got to tell you, this next one, I'm all over it. I am, I am, I am eager to give you my pick on this game. Number 12, UVA, goes to number 14, Notre Dame. I, I got a couple of views of the line on this game, and I'm just saying it right now. I think the line is a little fishy, and I'm calling for UVA to cover and get the outright win. I'm putting this on the fishy line uh, uh, bracket. Include this with the record. I am taking UVA and the Cavs to win at number 14, Notre Dame. Not just cover, but to outright win. 
You care to make this interesting, my friend? We can we can we can wager an adult beverage on this if you'd like. I'd also like to bet an avatar bet because I, I the loser has to make their avatar a fish for the week in honor of the fishy line. How about that? Uh, I'm gonna give you like a virtual shake on it right now. Does that sound good? I, it sounds good. I I pick three. There it is. There's a shake. I I pick three games, Gus, and this was the last one. Notre Dame is good. I'm done. What is the problem, folks? Notre Dame, I was the underdog twice on the road there. Uh, they won both games outright. They're favored by eight and a half against Syracuse. They blow them out. They shoot well at home. They shoot well on the road. Colson inside. VJ Beecham's angry. Farrell's aggressive. Great point guard. One of Virginia Tech. Gus, I think they're winning this game going away. I got to okay. tell you, I could be wrong. Going head to head on this one, and you know what I love? One of us is right, and one of us is wrong. And the way my avatar bet's been going, pick whatever fish you want, my friend. <laughs> but I'm going to say Notre Dame, given the one and a half. I don't know why it's one and a half, but I'm giving it. I like Notre Dame. We're head to head. I like it. I'll take it. And by the way, here's your fish fact. Did you guys know that the sailfish is the fastest fish in the ocean? It can get up to almost 60 miles an hour um, chasing down prey. Sailfish, fastest fish in the ocean. Can we can we get Gus up for some sort of podcasting award? I mean, the guy's knowledge is unbelievable. He's giving you that. He's giving you deer. He's giving you fishy lines. I mean, folks, get it up there on Twitter, will you, please? Listen, number one, Nova is going to go to Marquette. You giving him any shot here? We think that they might have a shot. Do you think they're going to come in, uh, come in home, uh, hot off of this compromised win over uh, uh, this win over this compromised the top ten Creighton team? Do you think they're going to believe? Do you think they're going to compete? What do you I, think? I love what Nova's uh, what Wojciechowski's doing out there. I really do. He's working hard. He's pumping the program. I just don't think they play enough defense, Gus. I think mm-hmm. the team is going to be Villanova is going to be like a butler that slows him down. Marquette's yeah. going to try to run. Nova's better. Josh Hart. I, I just it, close game. LG squads out for Marquette. I'm buying it. No, I can't take Marquette in this game. Fair enough. Let's skip ahead to Wednesday. Number eleven Butler is going to head over to Seton Hall. You know what? Hall has a big upset at home every year at the Rock. You remember when they beat Villanova? You remember when they beat uh, number four? Uh, uh, number four Xavier uh, when they were really hot. I'm just going to keep an eye on this game. Maybe this is the big upset that Hall gets this year at the Rock. And I bet we – you know what? I think it's going to be closer than you think. Let's take a look. It's a little bit under the radar, but it's definitely worth a look. And and keep your eye on this game. It might be a little bit – it might be closer than you think. Well, our good friend – was it Wyka78? What's his uh, Twitter handle? Yeah. He's going to fall off his chair. Seagulls win this game. Seagulls win this game. They're home. I think Butler, you know, a little up and down at times. They've had some huge wins. I like Seton Hall here. I think it's a statement game for him, Gus. I don't give a darn what the line is. I do like Seton Hall in this game. I, I think they're ready for a big win. It's coming. They're getting it here. I like them. You know what? I think the, the, the two players to pay attention to here, obviously we highlighted Baldwin um, last podcast. Uh, I think he's going to continue to play out of his head, but he's going to have to really step up his game against uh, uh, Rodriguez and Carrington and even Powell off the bench for Seton Hall. And I think on the Hall side, I think you got to give your props to Angel Delgado. That guy's balling out and boarding like Definitely. nobody's business. Definitely. Is you're going to have anybody to bang down low with him? I'm not sure. So I think the, if you're going to pay attention to two players on who's going to sway this game, those are those two players. Yeah. Hey, uh, Comet Sighting, Comet Sighting, head out to the West Coast. 
don't forget about number eight, UCLA. Just because they lost doesn't mean you have to stop watching them and enjoying them on the offensive end. They're going to go visit USC. Is this, is it possible? Is our favorite comic going to have a two-game losing streak? Maybe USC is live at home and they'll have this game. You think they had this game like on like on their calendar like with Sharpie. They didn't do it with pencil. They didn't do it with pen. I think they did it with like a brightly colored Sharpie. I'm going to say hashtag basketball narcolepsy. I'm going to stay up and watch this sucker. Hashtag UCLA by double digits, folks. That's They're going to bounce back. They don't like what happened at home there to Arizona. USC, no Benny Boatwright on the road. Uh, already lost at home to Cal. Uh, UCLA pulls away in this game and, and wins comfortably. Uh, still going to stay up and watch some of it. Uh, and then we'll do a quick jump to Thursday. Got two things for you Thursday. Uh, Mike, you can take the first one. Number 24, Xavier, goes to number 19, Cincy. How you feeling on this? You think uh, you think Coach Cronin is going to have his, game, his guys ready to go here? I'm going to send him tweets and try to get him on the show. Miles Davis has left the team, Gus. He's gone now. He has left the team after a few yep. games. He's gone permanently. And Ed, and Edward Sumner is always grabbing that right shoulder. The right yeah. shoulder is not right. Something is wrong there. They were in trouble last game. It was at Georgetown at home, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. They're in trouble here. Cincinnati was- Xavier, we know it's a huge rival. Remember the brawl a couple of years ago? We know that. Right. Mick Cronin's ready. Big game for Cincinnati. Love this, the veteran leadership of the Bearcats. All right, and the last game that we're going to preview for you guys on Broadway, number 10, Oregon is going to go to the mountains in Utah. And I'm going to give you another one where I'm just going right out, and I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm calling for the win for Utah. Wow. Wow. Just not even going to look at the points, not waiting on the line. I'm just going to call for the win for Utah. Um I'm not even going to pay attention if Dylan Brooks is going to be healthy or not. If he's playing, I'm going to stick with the pick. If he's not playing, that bolsters my pick a little bit more, I would think. Um, Mike Randall, are you going to argue on this one? Do we need to do another bet on this, or are we we okay here? No, I'm okay. I I probably would bet it if Brooks was healthy and playing, but I'm I'm going to stay away. I'm backing off of this one. I'm not going at at the great Gus Kearns here for two two bets. That's that's suicide. Uh, But according to Gus, one of my favorite sites to read – Addicted to quack. Okay. Are you serious? That, sports that, blog that, nation. Yeah, sports blog. This yes. is great. Show. Sports blog nation. They said that Dylan Brooks' injury isn't as serious as once thought. Okay. Uh, you know, but the medical staff had evaluating him. He was in a walking boost precaution, but still, Utah gave UCLA all they can handle at home. You can talk more about Utah. I'm not going at you. I'm staying away from this one. All right. So, uh, again, listeners, I'm just going to apologize in advance. This is borderline Mike Randall really loving Cincinnati. Um, I love what's going on with the Utes. Love what the other Coach K is selling. Um, the Oregon bigs are definitely a little bit better here, but the matchups across the court everywhere else are pretty much even. It's time to talk about Kyle Kuzman and him finding some space on this first team all Pac-12. I know it's really crowded, but it's time for him to like get shoehorned in there or something of that nature. Um, he's an old school 6'9", skilled for 15 points a game, 10 boards per game, 3 assists per game. Uh, David Coletta is a little banged up. I hope he finds health for the game. Uh, Lorenzo Bowman is a bigger point guard who, get this, he's shooting over 61% from the field as a point guard. Over 60% from the field. Wow. The, the newly minted uh, Cedric Barfield is 
is shooting it awesome from deep and putting up big numbers off the bench. The wild card for me is freshman Devin Daniels. He does a little bit of everything, and he's starting to do all of those things really well, really consistently. The dude is a player. He is the most underrated freshman in the Pac-12. If you're going to keep your eyes on anybody in this game, put your eyes on him. Okay, I think I'm done talking about Utah. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Mike, for giving me a couple seconds on them. Hey, he loves Utah, and you got to stick with the teams you loved. I love Creighton. I loved them before. Watson Jr.'s gone. Let's jump on the bandwagon, Utah. And we want to thank you, everyone. This is a long one, one of our longest podcasts we've ever done, but we're passionate. We're fired up. We're excited. We love college basketball, and that's why you're listening right now, right? We hope so. So we just want to say thank you to the technology department for putting together our highlights slash lowlights at the beginning of the pod. Thank you, technology department. Technology. Uh, we wanted to say thank you to Bell Jar. Thanks for bringing us in and out, boys. Every podcast, love having you as part of the program. And we want to say thank you to the listeners out there. Thank you for continuing spreading the good vibe that is the Screen the Screener podcast. We hope you were bringing a little joy, uh, a little excitement, and um, a little of uh, a different view to your college basketball uh, uh, listening and uh, viewing experience. So we hope that we're aiding in all of those things, listeners. We're out of time, folks. Bell Jars coming in. So much on this podcast. So much coming up. Gus, Frank Mason versus the press. Addicted to quack. Dr. Tony, X gets the square. What else do the people want? Deer, fish, everything. Screen the screen. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.